if I don't take care of myself and make sure that I'm replenished energy wise and able to balance my schedule, then I'm really no good at helping my team. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Making Ways, the podcast all about the unexpected paths to a creative career. I'm your host, Rob Goodman. I'm a marketer and an artist, and I've led my own winding path to my career, starting out as an art student at Syracuse, going on to work in the music business for Sony Music, working at Simon & Schuster, and ultimately coming out west to work for Google. I run my own marketing firm now, and I make artwork again, and I created Making Ways to give you all out there energy and inspiration to pursue a path that's going to leave you really fulfilled and creatively energized. On today's show, we have Deva Guthmiller. Deva is the founder of Noise 13, a branding and design agency here in San Francisco. And on today's show, you're going to hear from Deva on a wide range of topics on her path and also some amazing advice on how to refill your creative energy and the importance of cultivating community and mentorship in whatever creative pursuit you're going after. I'm really excited for you all to hear the conversation. Before we get started, I want to give a shout out to Scout Books, our sponsor for today's episode. Scout Books makes it possible for you to design amazing custom notebooks, either for your company, your organization, or for yourself with custom covers and insides, and I really love this team. They're a fantastic group of people, and they make really wonderful products. I'm holding a Scoutbooks notebook in my hand as we're recording today's episode, and you can learn more about them at scoutbooks.com. Now let's get started with our conversation with Deva. Deva, welcome to the show. Hi. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. And I'd love to start off by learning a little bit more about Noise 13, the agency that you started all those years back and and what you all do there. Yeah. So Noise 13 is a branding and design agency. And we really specialize in full-scale branding. So looking at the company sort of from the inside out, strategy, messaging, visual identity, and then the execution of that brand really ranges uh, depending on the client that we work with. Um, Our specialty is definitely on the consumer-based side, so B2C clients, a lot of food and beverage, health and wellness. We've done some hospitality. Um, But we also do work with B2B clients, especially when they're opened to really engaging the human on the other side of the business, not just the dollar. Yeah. And what does branding mean to you? And and how does that kind of translate maybe into a definition that people could, could understand listening on the other side? Yeah. Branding is really the experience of how you, it's almost like a, the personality of a company. So when you think about yourself before you walk out the door, who you are as a human Um, is the core of the brand. It's your values. It's your personality type. Um, All of those things can be translated to a company as well. So when you're thinking about a company, they have values, they have um, a personality type, they have a tone of voice. Um, All of those things are sort of at the core. And then the visual part of any brand is like when you get dressed, it's the hairstyle you wear, it's the shoes you have on, Brands are exactly the same way. So the core of who they are really shouldn't change. Um, that's their personality and you know their traits, but their visual look and feel can evolve over time, just like a human. So a brand is 
all of those things. So you're the core of who you are, um, how you speak and how you show up to others as well as visually how people perceive you. Yeah. And that can really come in handy when, let's say you're an operator in a crowded space, um, way back in the day, Coke versus Pepsi, right? Where it's a very similar product, but the feeling that you want consumers to have or either about the product or about the people who are serving it, that can really make a difference kind of in the marketplace and how, how people can resonate and really like stand out, even if the service itself could be offered by other people. Exactly. It's very much about, you know, you and I could be twins, but you like hard rock and I love country. And so all my friends are this demographic and your friends are that demographic. You speak differently. You talk differently. Um, you know, your interests are different. So brands are exactly the same. Somebody could sell the identical product, which happens all the time, Sure. but how they message that and package that both uh, verbally and visually uh, targets a different client, creates a different price point, um, creates a different space in the market. Yeah. And so you've been an independent business owner now for over 18 years. Yeah. And I want to hear about kind of that moment way back where you decided to go independent, decided to go freelance, and what was going on for you at that time? What what job were you in? What was the kind of pushing factor? And did you ever think, maybe you had hoped, that it would it would go on for this this much time? <laughs> well, I you know, I always thought I would have my own company. I didn't realize it would happen as soon as it did. So I was working at another design agency. I had been there for just shy of two years and had taken my first big vacation, a whole 10 days. It was like fantastic. <laughs> um, and I got back from the vacation and, you know, to be honest, had a big argument with my boss um, and kind of quit on the spot. So wow. It was, I will not go into the details of what <laughs> happened there, but I think, um, the, so no, no plan, no plan. <laughs> um, just like I'm, ha- I'm, I've had it. Yeah. I think that what happened was, is that, you know, this is a company that I really liked. I really trusted. I had been with them since they started. Um, and when I came back, there had been basically this instant lack of trust. Um, and I just didn't. I just couldn't see myself there anymore. I just, in the course of this discussion or argument, it was quite an argument, um, I just really decided this, I can't be here anymore. This isn't a place for me. It's not healthy. I've got to go. Yeah. And originally it was, um, I, I think the biggest crux of that was that they were upset that I was doing freelance. Um, but that was also part of, um, when I was hired, they knew I was doing freelance and I was also bringing them business. But for some reason, their mindset changed and I just didn't agree with it. So <laughs> so it was, it was tied in with your urge to keep growing, keep doing things on the side and kind of build up your own, your own work. Yeah, it was. And the freelance project I was doing was, it was quite small and, you know, it was just a logo project at the time. Um, granted that logo project I was doing was for a company called Teddy Crafters. And three companies later, that client is still my client. <laughs> wow. So we're actually launching a brand new project for him in a couple of months, um, which will be an online e-commerce site. Comple- has nothing to do with teddy bears. It has to do with framing. But 
Um, How cool is that? That's yeah, a great, it's very, very cool testament to your work and your commitment to relationships. And, and I love that. I love yeah. that. And so, you know, I left that discussion, um, sort of quit on the spot and, you know, I've actually said this out loud in speeches before, but you know, I didn't know what to do with myself. I had just gotten back from vacation. I was like, Oh my God, what did I just do? I went to the movies. I have no idea what movie I went to. Um, where were you living at the time? I was in San Francisco. Okay. And, um, I think I cried half the time. It was like, <laughs> oh my, what did I do? I just totally quit my job. This is awful, you know. And I called a couple friends and, you know, kind of talked through it. And one of them said, you know, just come into my office. You know, you have this one client. You know, I'm, I'm sure I could use some help. Um, bring your computer in. Just work from here. You know, we'll figure something out. And a month or so later, we decided to join up and become Noise 13. So um, I quit in like the end of October, beginning of November. And mm-hmm. by January we had formed noise 13. Uh, and he was my business partner for the first year and then uh, decided to move to Florida. So I bought him out and it's just been me since. So. Wow. And what was it like kind of taking that leap at, at that time in terms of, okay, I'm not going to go back and look for a full-time job. I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just going to invest in informing this. Yeah, I don't think I thought it out fully. There was no business plan. There was no, um, it was, he had a couple clients. I had some clients. We're like, this will kind of cover us for a while. You know, it was, you know, the end of 99, beginning of 2000. San Francisco was still, you know, raining money. It was weird. And so we just kind of went for it. And through that year, obviously the tumbleweeds started to come through San Francisco. So by 2001, you know, half of the companies that, you know, were huge and, you know, taking up space had just completely collapsed. Uh, and so, you know, 2000 was fantastic and it was amazing. I can't believe, you know, how much business we had the first year. And then 2001 was like a desert. Wow. Um, so I actually started, you know, I was at that point, I was addicted. I'm like, <laughs> I love this. I like working for myself. Um, and I wasn't quite ready to go back, you know, full time anywhere. So I started doing a couple things on the side. So I was, I started teaching at the Academy of Art. I, um, was helping out a couple of my restaurant clients, you know, a little bit with their interiors, mm-hmm. a little bit with their operations. Um, but just sort of keeping myself afloat because I wasn't quite ready to go back, you know, and it did take a couple years to get back on the upswing with the rest of the city. But, um, because I didn't have any other mouths to feed other than my own, it was, it was okay. Hey guys, I want to tell you about our partner Scout Books. Scout Books is based in Portland, Oregon. They make beautiful 100% recycled paper notebooks. And you can customize the design of your notebook, whether you're a brand or you're working on your own creative endeavor or you're any type of organization. They've been such a joy to work with on my own notebook for making ways that you all will see really soon. And if you use the offer code MAKINGWAYS at checkout, you'll get 15% off your first order. And I'm so excited to share that on April 16th, Making Ways will be coming to Portland for Portland Design Week. I'll be interviewing the founder of Scout Books, Laura Whipple. And I'm so excited to go down, check out Portland. You guys should come out if you're in the area. Maybe make a trip if you can. Otherwise, we'll be recording the episode live and sharing it on the podcast very soon. You can learn more about the event at bit.ly 
backslash makingwaysdwp. That's bit.ly backslash makingwaysdwp. And that's on April 16th. Okay, let's get back to the show. And so over the years, you've kind of hired up at the, at the company and also, you know, kind of trimmed down during, during different times. So talk to me about, um, a challenging moment that, uh, you weren't quite sure how this, how this noise 13, um, company was going to kind of move forward. Yeah, I think we probably had two big ones. So one was, you know, in 2001, you know, yes, San Francisco was like, com bust. It was crazy, but I didn't have a employee base. It, you know, it was just me. It was no big deal. Um, I think the first time that we really had a challenge was in 2008. So, you know, we had an economy slump, um, and we were slowing down as far as our clients were concerned, but I didn't actually have to lay off anybody. My employees just sort of naturally they could kind of tell something was happening and they naturally sort of decided that, okay, I've been here three or four years and I'm going to go try something else. Um, and so we did, we downsized, I think we were eight people and then all of a sudden we became four. And during that time we decided we would move to a smaller office space. Um, and we were at four people for maybe six months and then slowly kind of built back up to eight. Um, I don't think that that was as bad as probably the last year. Um, we had in 2014 or 2013, 14, we grew from eight to, no, we were at seven to 14. Mm -hmm. Um, and we grew really heavily because we started working with Uber. Um, and they, it was really easy for us to hire, you know, quicker, uh, more quickly than they could. So, you know, they're like, just bring on more people. We'll give you more work. And they did. We worked with them for about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, and during that time, we were sort of at this full capacity. And in that process, you know, you know, when you have one big client, it's always dangerous. But right. we had six-month contracts. So we sort of knew um, in advance. And we were really preparing ourselves for the end of that contract as they built up their internal team. But by the time we ended Uber, we got tile, which we worked with for three years. So same thing. We sort of stayed at that high capacity. Um, but a year ago, um, we phased out of tile and over the last year, we've definitely had a huge influx of, um, employees sort of heading out. So it was, it was a little bit hard. And again, it's like I've in 18 years, I've only had to let go of maybe three people. Yeah. So it's very, nice place to be. Um, I will do anything I can to keep my employees if they're great, um, including, you know, not paying myself. So that is always a huge challenge. I I don't recommend it, but, um, I don't like to work alone. I really like to work with a team. So for me, noise has always been about the people who are there supporting the company as a whole. And it's not just about me. Right. So, um, you know, everyone else's payroll comes first and, you know, you just got to keep the, (laughs) keep the machine going. Um, but I think this last year was probably the hardest. And I think what happened there was, uh, we've been without a lead creative director for a while. Um, and I have been sort of out of that role for a few years because we, we had brought some senior designers up to creative director, 
Um, one of them left. The other one um, had a baby and went on maternity leave and came back and quite couldn't acclimate in. Um, so it's been about a year transition where we haven't had a CD. And that has put a strain both on some of the other staff, so my managers, as well as some of the designers. So over the last year, there's been a lot of uh, kind of transition. Yeah. And I think right now it's during those transition points, as hard as they are um, to lose people that you love and that, you know, are really great staff members is really a time to reflect and figure out um, how to clean things up, how to put processes in place, you know, what wasn't working, you know, why did those people transition out? And just reflect. It's good housekeeping. It's yeah. it's like a spring cleaning. Yeah. Um, as hard as it is, it is really a good time to work on processes and internal things before you bring the team back up to speed. Yeah, it must be hard to basically not kind of focus on the the maybe the drama of the moment and and instead take advantage of yeah. the the lull in in a specific kind of work and and use it as reflection time. Yeah. How how do you get yourself in the right headspace to do that and also was there any kind of major learnings you had during this time when you started to reflect back on processes that you could do differently? Yeah, I mean one of the things you mentioned about Headspace is I use Headspace. That's a huge... <laughs> so do I. I love Headspace. I, the meditation app. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah, yeah. I, so do I. Um, I think between Headspace and my business coach... Um, those, I don't know that one. Well, business coaches. Oh, you my, mean, A physical oh, okay. business coach. Uh, her name is Julie Gordon-White. And okay. She's, I'm like, I don't know that app. Okay. Yeah. Because it's a person. She is a person and yeah. she's my rock. Oh, wow. And because I don't have a business partner, she is almost that pseudo partner mindset. She's the person that I can vent to, but she's also this huge support. Um, and I have to say, even, even though I don't have partners, there are quite a few people in my company at any given time who step up to the plate in that partner role, whether it's to just support me and, um, things I need help with or, you know, mental support and those kinds of things. I think that is, I think because I'm so open about what's going on in the business and what I need, it's really helpful for the employees to be able to be open back to me. Right. Yeah. So I do put my vulnerability out there, um, good and bad, but I, that really helps me open up the support system, um, that I need. But yeah, my coach and headspace, Huge ways to kind of deal with those processes. Um, But as far as reflecting and learning, we've done a lot of work over the years on internal processes and all that great stuff. But one of the things that, you know, it's a, it's a lesson. It's all of those things. I am a, I'm a doer and it's really easy for me to just be like, oh yeah, I can do that. And I can do that. And, and then you forget that you are human and you have a capacity. And if when I overdo and I take on too much and I don't allow the rest of the team to support, um, and really trust that they can get it done, you know, when I'm in a panic mode, I tend to take it all on myself. And it's that, you know, putting your oxygen mask on before you put it on others. If I don't take care of myself and make sure that I'm replenished energy wise and, able to balance my schedule, then I'm really no good at helping my team. So 
Um, it's something that I really have to work at because I'm the one who just kind of picks up the slack a lot of times, but my team's more than capable. And, you know, every time I've put them to the challenge and delegated back and really asked for their support, they've always given it. Yeah. I love hearing about kind of that, uh, kind of no, no border, no barrier between just who you are as a person and maybe your, you know, your, your personal life, your professional life and thinking about this team that you have as, as people that you want close to you in, in all different kinds of ways. And, and I've noticed over your career because noise 13 is a women led agency. I've noticed over your career, really empowering women has been something that's been core to you. I don't know if it's something you set out to do or it's just who you are. So it just happens and manifests. Um, a few months ago, Invisible Talks uh, conference launched, and I was so uh, happy to be a part of that. And Ariana Orland is your uh, co-pilot on that journey. Awesome. And yeah, and I know uh, Revel and Rouse is starting up, and that's going to be a, a women-oriented cannabis culture magazine and site and business. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about what that means to you, and you know maybe even how that's how that's been over the past few years and even in kind of today's environment where, you know, there's, there's so much energy around, um, the treatment of women. Yeah. I think for, I mean, for me, I grew up around a lot of guys. Like I was in, I had mostly male friends. My dad's a mechanic. I grew up in the garage. I was, you know, super tomboy. Um, but there's something about in that growing up, um, being surrounded by just male energy and very straightforwardness and, you know, you just get the job done and there's very little drama. Um, I love, (laughs) but when I hit, um, about two years of noise and I was going from having, you know, unpaid interns back in the day, which we don't do that anymore. We have paid (laughs) interns, but, um, when I was going from unpaid interns to paid employees, I was like, shit, I have never hired anybody before. Like, I don't know the processes that I need to go through, the things I need to put in place and kind of freaked out a little bit. So I went through my database of small business owners that I could reach out to and they were all women. And so I invited about, I don't know, maybe 20 people. I think a dozen showed up, Mm -hmm. all women, small business or freelancers. And we literally sat on the floor in my conference room because I did not have a conference table yet. We had just (laughs) moved. And, uh, you know, two buck chuck and some cheese and crackers and talked for like three hours about the things that we needed, the support, you know, that we were all looking for, the challenges that we were having. Um, and it was just such an amazing energy. And I don't know that I've ever been around, um, a group of male business owners that's that open to sharing and supporting. There is a little bit more competition when it comes to guys in business. I think women need a little bit more of that, but what I needed at the time was support and insight And so that ended up becoming something called the powwow network. So I did that for about 12 years and yes, it is a networking event, but it was always about sharing and learning. So we would sort of take a pulse of, you know, the challenges that people were having, the kinds of support and insight, like what was going on with the economy and, 
I mean, I had been part of many other networking events, you know, Chamber of Commerce, all these other great things. But those were really about the business card pass. And I needed the the business support. So I created this group in order to help me out at the time when I needed it. And then I kept going for many years after that because I got so much out of it in the beginning. Then I was like, oh, great. That's my turn now to give back to those who need the same support. Um, and so I, I did let that slide, you know, and that's been gone for a few years. But and it was really because now there's so many other organizations that have popped up in the place. I mean, there's women's co-networking spaces. There's so many networking events and organizations, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, but at the time, it was the only one that I could find that was more around um, that support and that building of relationships. So I think that's sort of where it started. And I, I just got a lot from that. And so when I with noise, I've never really set out to be, um, you know, a super female focused office, but, and I didn't really realize it until recently, but you know, it's, it's always been primarily female in my office. There's always been guys, but you know, we did have a stint for, um, maybe like a year here and there Mm -hmm. where it was all women. And recently in the last two years is where I've felt it the most, especially with everything that's happening in the political climate and, you know, the Me Too movement and all these other things. And I'm like, well, we've just always been like this. Right. And I think that we even did a blog post recently for Women's Month and asked our employees, you know, what does that mean for you to be part of a women-led? And I think the biggest thing was really about openness and support and being okay to be vulnerable. Um, I, I think those were like the bigger themes, but I mean, we're definitely not a bunch of girly girls in my office, but it's, you know, I I think that there's just a different level of support that happens. And so with Revel and Rouse, um, we were seeing a lot of the trend happening within the cannabis space of women who are really leading the food and beverage health and wellness product lines, which is where our strengths lie in noise 13, um, on the commercial, uh, products. And so yeah. as we decided to get more into cannabis, that's where it was falling. So we thought it would be nice to highlight those businesses who just happen to be women. Um, so that's, what's going on with that one. And then Ariana, I've known for many years through a mutual friend, um, and yeah, it was just kind of a natural fit. And again, it's, I don't think any of it was ever really 100% on purpose. I think Revel and Rouse was a conscious choice because we were seeing a need within the industry space. But otherwise, I think it's just um, who you decide to you know, surround yourself by. Right. And on the noise side, it was really more around who applies. You know, I'm going to take the best applicant for the job. And, you know, it just so happens that I tend to attract more of a female audience. And I don't know if that's because of the work that we do or because I am a female business owner. Um, but I'm yeah. gonna keep ta- I mean, it's been great. So I have, yeah, stay on with that track. Yeah. And it, it seems like a thread that runs through this is, you know, the mentorship aspect that both you want to receive and you want to give. Yeah. What kind of role has mentorship played maybe throughout your career or early on? I mean, mentorship's huge. I think there's, you know, I've had a lot of business coaches over, you know, my span of 18 years, but I think that I've always also had 
somebody who's been in the industry longer who was willing to share that information with me. So, you know, as much as, you know, I did leave my former uh, company, the former business I was working for in a sort of an angry situation, <laughs> the two people who were running the company were very open as well. And, you know, I learned a tremendous amount about running the business from them because they were so open to like just sharing that. And I grew up with parents who owned their businesses and they were just really great about, you know, sharing and, you know, you can do anything if you put your mind to it. And, you know, there was always a few teachers along the way that were just extra supportive. Um, and I think now that I'm older, I mean, I have chosen who my mentors are a little bit more deliberately. So I do have somebody who, you know, when I'm, I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? I just, I need help and inv advice and support. Yeah. You know, I'm like, it's time for a drink. Do you have time? I need to, <laughs> like, I'll take you to dinner. Like, let's go. How and have you found these people? I think just through, you know, friends and networking and, um, you know, the person who right now, she says, you know, if I flash my bat signal, she shows up, <laughs> is uh, Maria Judice, who is the former owner of Hot Studio. And her companies had a lot of parallels um, for a long time. A lot of my employees would leave and, you know, graduate and go to Hot Studio. Um, I think my husband worked there for, you know, a hot second at the very end before she sold the Facebook. So after that happened, I just, you know, I've always sort of looked to her as somebody who I really aspired to be like. Um, you know, her, her team really respects her. She's very knowledgeable. She's 100% herself, unapologetic. Um, she really cares for her team and her clients. They're just, there's something about her being that is just very attractive as far as a, you know, a successful business owner. And so, you know, just take her out to lunch, take her out <laughs> to dinner. And I think a lot of people are really willing to, to go that, um, to that length. You know, if you really honestly want to learn from somebody, most of the time you just have to ask. Cause yeah. they're more than willing to make a little time. Yeah. I think that's such great advice. Just putting yourself out there and having a conversation and people, you know, like to share what they've, they've been through. Yeah. And so much of this show is to get some of those lessons out in, in bigger and, and, and wider ways. So to that end, I'd love to ask you about lessons that, that you've learned over your career and, um, how you kind of apply them today, maybe for people who are trying to overcome a, a stumbling block internally or externally or trying to get a project off the ground, what's been helpful for you? I think two things. Uh, one is, you know, really make sure that you trust your gut. You know, as a creative person, you ha you're insightful, you know intuitively if something is really great or if it's not. And I think that comes down very heavily to people. So a lot around creativity is who you work with, whether that's your, your team, your partners, and especially your, um, your clients. So if something's really not feeling right, if the relationship isn't going well, you know, don't start that relationship. I mean, I used yeah. to have a rule when I was hiring people. If I don't, feel like I can sit and have a whole lunch with this person or if I don't want to go and have a beer with them after work, I really shouldn't hire them. Right. We have to spend way too much time together for that to not be okay. Yeah. Right. 
we don't, you know, we're in a hundred person company, you could get away with not seeing people that you don't personally care for, but in a small team, that's impossible. And same thing with your clients. There's, especially on the creative side, a lot of project lasts for months. And so if you don't, like having a conversation with your client, you're really not going to like working with them, right? And the respect isn't going to be there. So trusting your gut on those kinds of things. Yeah, and kind of sometimes biting the bullet on the short-term gains, right? That might be saying no to a load of money or maybe even saying no to a a client with a a great name or some kind of recommended connection where it's like, yeah, you know, you, you were passed along by a friend, so you want to do it. You're going to regret it later. (laughs) Yeah. 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 It's not worth it. I've had those experiences as well. And it's just that little spider, spidey sense tingling. And, uh, you know, I've, I've certainly gone through it where I haven't really listened and I've, I've been like, no, I need to, I need to do this project. But yeah, as you get the experiences, listening to that inner voice and knowing that the next thing will come, the right thing will come and put your energy on that kind of great work versus the, the turmoil that, uh, a challenging, uh, partnership or, or relationship would, would bring. Yeah. And I've definitely not listened, you know, there's times when you get so wrapped up in, oh, this project is going to be amazing and I'm so excited to do it. And then you just kind of block out these signals that you're getting from the client or whatever it is. And, you know, we got ourselves in a really bad situation early last year because we were on a project that we just wanted to do so bad. And it was such a cool project and somewhere in the middle, the people we were dealing with changed and it became quite frankly a nightmare, you know, and we're dealing with them in court. So it's a, uh, oh my gosh, it's one of those things where it was a very hard lesson where I got overly excited about something and wasn't listening to my gut. And, yeah. you know, still after 18 years, you know, I can still make that mistake. But, sure. And so that's, that's tough a big one. when things switch on you mid midstream, that makes yeah. it even harder to, to back away. Yeah. And, and the other thing, yeah. Yeah, the second thing would really just be around remembering that your creativity is like a tank of gas and you need to keep it full. Um, Like my dad used to always say, it's cheaper to fill the top half than the bottom half of your car tank, right? So, you know, the more that you sort of top up your creative inspiration and, you know, get your juices flowing, the easier it is. And, you know, if you're at the bottom of the tank, you're just really pulling hard to get that gas out from the bottom. So, making sure that you leave time to find inspiration to, you know, if you're on a project that, you know, you have to do this and it's a lot of production, do something on the side that is kind of fueling your creative juices. Um, you know, go outside, go see art, go to a show, like whatever that is that drives, you know, your creative passion and your insight, just top it up regularly because, you know, that way your reserves are always full. Yeah. I love that. Deva, thank you so much for joining the show. Yeah. It was great talking to you and I'm so excited for people to hear more of your, your insights and your story. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Okay. That was our conversation with Deva Guthmiller. Deva, thank you so much for joining the show and sharing so much of your story and amazing insights for listeners out there. Thank you all so much for listening. Making Ways is engineered by Jim Heffernan at TTO Productions. Our intro music is by The Sandworms, and we've got some music by Jim Heffernan in the mix, too. 
check out makingways.co where we've got original illustrations and articles and you can get show notes for every episode and so much more. Be sure to sign up for our newsletter so you can hear about the latest events and merchandise and episodes and news that we have to share with you all. Thanks so much for listening and I'll see you next time.